unidentifiable flying object. The UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be one thing. A UFO. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of UFO Know, the show that separates science fact from science fiction the best that we can. Thank you all for joining another episode. Uh, For those of you that are just coming along this journey for the first time, thank you. I would love to know how you found the show. So uh, hit me up. I got a phone number, 208-790-8226. You can text that number. Please do. I want to believe, and I will get back to you, but I really want to know how you got a hold of the show. And also, uh, I want to rap a little bit about what you think about it. We think about the show and what you think about this shit in general, ufology, paranormal, all that shit, everything. I want to know. I want to know. Uh If you've been following along from the beginning, I cannot thank you enough. It means the world to me. It means the universe to me to have you along this journey. Appreciate a lot. Uh, Got an announcement to make, folks. Got an announcement to make. I cannot believe it. Uh, If you've been following along, you know that I started a Patreon. Started a Patreon if you would like to become a patron. Go on to patreon.com. It's just a dollar. You can donate any amount you want, and I want to give a huge Thank you to Aaron Rice. Aaron Rice, thank you so much. You are first patron. I cannot thank you enough. Kind words to you uh, and kind words from you to me about the show, and it means means the world to me. I want to connect with every single one of you. I love it. So, anyways, thanks a lot. means the world to me. Um, Helps out the show, of course. Anything you can put into it, I try and put back into the show. For instance... I got merch, peep. I got merch. Okay, so now you can go to, uh, well, there's a link in the show notes, a link tree link that you can click that'll take you to all my separate areas. All you got to click is buy merch, take you straight to the website because otherwise it's kind of a long one, ufono-podcast.creator-spring.com. Otherwise, you could just click that link in the show notes. It'll take you right to a little hub. And you can support the show in a number of ways by, once again, going to Patreon. And uh, just $1. It helps out a lot. And uh, Or you can buy merch from there. You can follow on Instagram from there. You can listen to the podcast from there. You can watch on YouTube, which is listening on YouTube in this case. Because I don't do a lot of flashy shit. I just put the audio on there. But uh, those are all the different ways you could support. As well as just sharing the podcast is amazing, and that really is uh, the base of it is just sharing with your friends, sharing with your family helps get show out, uh, and that means a lot as well. So thank you all very much, and uh, I got a doozy for you today. I got a doozy for you today. <clears throat> you know, we've talked a lot about history, um, periods of history where there's been a lot of fuckery afoot, shit going on. Uh, the last episode I did was illegal experiments done by the government, and they are confirmed, folks, and some of that shit is pretty scary. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. Illegal experiments done by the government. Uh, show Episode before that was Project Bluebeam. 
where, uh, or maybe it was history, UFO, historic UFO battles. But anyways, I've talked about Project Bluebeam. I talk about illegal experiments done by the government. And maybe you can sense a theme going on there. I just generally distrust the government, fuck the government and all that, um, all of it. And there's generally very few good reasons why they do things. There's a lot of shisty business because they're bastards. So I'm just educating you on some of the things that I found that they've done, the government and whatnot. But this one is an interesting one. So there's a lot of historical, oh, I hit my thing. Uh, A lot of historical moments, periods of time where there's a lot of crazy things that happen. Um, But in certain cases, some of these things happen, they start real quick and then they're gone real quick. And in some cases, they leave victims or bystanders confused terrified well one of these crazy moments in history was a series of gas attacks that happened in a place called Mattoon Illinois during the fall of 1944 and over a period of two weeks this small town found itself under siege from what appeared to be random attacks involving an unknown powerful gas causing instant puking and even some partially paralyzed, crazy shit, scary shit. But before I go too far, as always, Blind Mike. I love him. If you listen to the show, you love him too. If you haven't listened in a while, he's not here. Where'd he go? He's been abducted. So I'm on a rescue mission to get him back. In fact, When I was talking about merch, you can go get merch right now to help get Blind Mike back. It's a shirt uh, with Blind Mike's angry face on it. Get Blind Mike before he's analprobe.com. You can go there, donate money, resources, whatever. Get a hold of me. Let me know what you can do. We're making progress. Or you can go to the website and you can get the shirt. Get Blind Mike before he's analprobe.com. And that as well, all proceeds for that shirt go to getting Mike back on the show. That's the point. That's the purpose. So if you can help out, do so, please. Anyways, always keep Blind Mike in your thoughts, everybody. In your thoughts. All right. Let's get back to it. What's crazier about these attacks is that this instant puking and partial paralysis that would take place would wear off relatively quick, leaving these people basically unharmed aside from being completely traumatized. But even crazier than that is that there seemed to be a, no reason at all for any of these attacks other than for apparently shits and really morbid giggles. Because there was no theft ever reported, no items missing from these homes or people or any other fuckery afoot. Nobody got raped, nobody got molested, nothing. No dogs were stolen, nothing. And no long-term health effects was ever experienced by the victims. Crazy. So to this day, these gas attacks in Mattoon remain completely unsolved. Now, The local law enforcement said it was mass hysteria. I feel that's unlikely due to the physical sickness 
as in the literal puking, the partial paralysis. I mean, mass hysteria, you could talk about fear freezing people up, but physical sickness, maybe if the body's under a lot of stress, I, I maybe. But I, I find that to be a very long stretch to say that that, uh, that was the case. Anyways, uh, then there's a the theory that maybe there was some mysterious asshole pulling a lone gun type experiment on these unsuspecting civilians. Possible. Assholes exist. So does gas. Put them together. You got an asshole slinging gas. Maybe it was paranormal. Some kind of haunted fog giving people pukes. Maybe it's the government. Like I said, they're shitty. Wouldn't surprise me if they were being shitty and testing out poisonous gas on civilians. It's happened before. If you go over and listen to the episode, Illegal Experiments Done by the Government, that we did. In the 1950s, the military pumped poisonous chemicals into San Francisco fog and just let it roll in. Crazy. I mean, they absolutely pumped chemicals into that fog. It was nuts. For several years, by the way. Once again, go to listen to that episode. We've had some great episodes. Go check them out, all of them. We're up to, what? what is this, uh, episode 64, I believe. So researchers of these types of historical events compare the Mattoon attacks to some attacks known as the spring Jack attacks who terrorized Victorian England in a similar way, gas, which scared the shit out of innocent people, but otherwise didn't cause any long-term physical harm. And also completely remains a mystery over half a century later. So, here are the questions, and we're going to go over the evidence. Who did it, and why? Why? All right, let's get into it. Story goes, on the morning of August 31st, 1944, when a local man, Urban Rafe, claimed a strange odor, woke him up, Woke him and his wife up, making only Urban, though, feel pukey. Now, his wife's first thought was maybe the gas oven was leaking and making him sick. But when she went to go check if the oven was working right, she had difficulty moving, somewhat paralyzed. Both of them eventually recovered with no apparent long-term effects, but it was only the first of many... Attacks that would happen in the small town. So later that morning, totally different area, a mother wakes up to her daughter coughing really bad. But her herself had incredible difficulty moving when she went to go see her daughter. So a short time later, both the mother and the daughter felt better for no explanation, just out of nowhere. After that, there was more of these strange incidents that kept that happened later that day, but it wasn't until the next night, September 1st, that the first incident got reported in the media, and that put the eyes of the nation on Mattoon. At around 11 p.m., Mrs. Kearney was sleeping in her bedroom. Her young daughter, Dorothy, was asleep next to her, and she woke up, uh, the mother, woke up to a sickening sweet odor. 
At first, she thought all she was smelling was flowers outside the window and attempted to go back to sleep. But when the smell got more intense, as well as she started to lose feeling in her legs, she realized something strange was happening. Yeah, no shit. It was at this point that panic set in and she screamed out for help. Her sister, Mrs. Reddy, heard as well as several of her neighbors and rushed to see what was happening. After checking she wasn't hurt, they searched outside her home for any sign of an intruder, but discovered nothing out of the ordinary. The police arrived to investigate the incident a short time later, but found nothing. Now, I'm going to give you a little clue about the police. They are completely incompetent in this entire scenario. Okay, so this is going to be a common theme of them just fucking it up. All right, anyways, but just give you a little clue about what the police doing here. We'll go over through that later, my thoughts on all this shit, but anyways. When Mrs. Kearney's husband, Bert, who uh, worked as a taxi driver, got home, he claimed to have seen a man who was crouching near one of the house's windows, and he described the figure as tall and dressed in dark clothing with a tight-fitting cap. There were several more accounts from various parts of the town reported over the couple of days, all with extremely similar details. However, the next encounter of another local woman, Beulah Cordes, it's probably not pronounced that because this is uh, Illinois, Cordes, Beulah Cordes, anyways, Uh, September 5th got everybody's interest again going because of new physical evidence. At around 10 p.m., Beulah arrived at home with her husband, Carl, and noticed what appeared to be a white cloth on the porch soaked in some kind of weird liquid. She sniffed the cloth, which, by the way, uh, well, she was trying to figure out what the liquid was, but (laughs) imagine if you're somebody trying to pull a prank on somebody. And you just piss all over a rag and throw it up on the porch. And then some lady comes out and is sniffing the rag. That's hilarious. Anyways, but that's not, it's not the case. She, as soon as she did this, smelt this, uh, this strange cloth, which I would, I would not be sniffing. I'm telling you what, if I found a, a cloth so anywhere near my home, that was soaked in something. I, I don't think I'd I'd smell it. I would assume. I mean, maybe I maybe I wouldn't, but I feel like I would assume it's not good. And I'll just be like, yep, I'm gonna dispose of this moist cloth. Why do we need to smell it? Why do we need it? What's the point in smelling it? I mean, in this case, it really fucks her up because. <clears throat> When she smelled it, she had a sensation like a very strong electric current racing down her body and settling in her knees, bringing on a feeling of paralysis. Then she puked violently before experiencing the same burning feeling to her lips, mouth, and throat that had been reported by Mrs. Kearney. In this case, though, her mouth was bleeding. Now, much like the others... She made a full recovery within about 90 minutes. After investigating the incident, people discovered a used skeleton key, and it was scratched up. That's how they knew it was used. And then that indicated significant use, as well as an empty lipstick tube. 
and no one is sure if these items were connected. Now, the skeleton key makes sense if you're able to get into people's homes using a skeleton key, but used an empty lipstick tube, I, I'm not sure about that. Beulah Cordis speculated that whatever was on the soaked cloth, the gassy bandit might have been planning to use it to knock out the family's pet dog that usually slept on the porch suggesting that someone had familiarized themselves with the family's movements and habits. But there still seemed to be no motive because there was nothing missing and nothing damaged, just trying to gas people, which is still bad. But what's the motive in that? Just fucking with people? What's the motive? So around half a dozen almost identical reports uh, surfaced the next day alone with one of the witnesses claiming they saw a tall man running from his home shortly after he noticed the strange sickly smell. In another incident, the witness claimed to have seen a blue vapor-type substance appear along with a machine-like buzzing sound from outside the house. As the days went on, reports cl- uh, came in that footprints had been left outside properties or that some physical damage had been done to windows or screens. According to local newspapers, many of the victims claimed they felt an electric shock pass completely through their body, suffering from intense nausea, puking, before eventually becoming fully or partially paralyzed for an hour to an hour and a half, and then an intense burning sensation to the mouth and throat. Imagine that. Imagine being paralyzed for an hour to an hour and a half. Now, look, I can say as someone who is uh, somewhat claustrophobic, it depends on the scenario. But as someone who is somewhat claustrophobic, I cannot imagine the panic that would go through me if I was paralyzed in my own body for an hour to an hour and a half. I, I don't, I don't. I can't, it, that's hard for me to comprehend, having to go through that, being paralyzed for an hour to an hour and a half. That just seems like, I mean, look, I've been injured where 10, 15, 20 minutes feels like an hour. I mean, no, legitimately, you know, I've been injured badly to the point where time is weird. It's very, very odd, and it just stretches out. It seems to take forever forever it seems like hours when really it might only be minutes so to be paralyzed for an hour not knowing how much time is going along and me i have a really bad sense of time so to me that's going to feel like 20 years an hour to an hour and a half trapped in my body partially paralyzed i don't know man that scares the shit out of me that's that scares the shit out of me anyways Police had several theories initially. The main one, that the attacks were carried out by a lone individual with a basic knowledge of chemistry. Once again, the lone gunman scenario. There was even talk of putting together a reward for the capture of the gassy bandit. The attack stopped on September 7th, but anxious citizens reported strange men that appeared to loiter around their properties, and local residents got tired 
of the police appearing to not have the situation under control and started organizing themselves into patrol groups around the town, many of them armed. And once again, increasingly frustrated with the police and their apparent inability to capture the chemical culprit. On September 8th, Ramona Driscoll, at home with her mother, woke up to the sounds of someone outside the window. Her mother, Violet, heard it also. And by the time they jumped out of bed and made their way to the front door, Ramona puked and was unable to move. Violet saw a tall man running from the property. Several hours later, in the early hours of September 9th, several residents asleep in the same house woke up to find gas entering the room through an open window. Short time after that incident, the principal of a local school, Miss Frances Smith, woke up to the same sickly odor and realized she was unable to move and felt sick. They would even claim to have seen a thin blue smoke-like vapor making its way through the room and a strange buzzing sound which made them believe that whoever was outside and was responsible for spewing the gas had done it with some kind of device. Multiple other attacks were reported to the police the next day, and it was also around this time that the FBI got involved and discreetly, that means secretly, sent two agents to the town. Why? Why would, why would you discreetly? Hmm? Interesting. Whether coincidence or not, the same time the commissioner of public health for the area, Thomas Wright, announced that while there is no doubt, quote, while there is no doubt a gas maniac exists and has made a number of attacks, this is nothing more than hysteria. Elaborating that this hysteric fear was, quote, out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas. Yeah, he wasn't the one being gassed, douche. <clears throat> Ultimately, the, quote, whole town is sick with hysteria. Now, his hysteria can, and once again, what qualify, qualifies as hysteria? Is it, I mean, is it physical effects, physical symptoms? It's psychological. It's people convincing themselves they're seeing something or hearing something. Or there's paranoia about an incident that's taking place. People, distrust of people, not physical illness. Not physical illness. He even went on to claim only two days later that there had actually been no attacks and that the odor being noticed by residents was just industrial facilities nearby. That's it. It's just, it's just chemical. Now look. Us here, those of us, me, live in the Lewis Clark Valley. For those of you that don't know, it's on the Washington Idaho border, Clarkston, Lewiston, where Lewis Clark, the uh, travelers, explorers, Sacagawea, uh, all that shit. Anyways, traveled around, found in this area, Lewistown, Clarkstown, Clarkston, Lewiston. Anyways, that's where we're at, Lewis Clark Valley. <clears throat> why did I bring that up? I don't even remember why. Oh yeah, because we have <laughs> we have a uh, place called Clearwater Paper. 
and it is a paper mill, and it smells like ass. And so, you know, it stinks. But I can tell you right now, well, I don't think it's a sickly sweet smell. It's like not quite armpit and not quite asshole. It's like it's like a it's a fine fine merlot. Fine merlot of a of a shallow butthole essence. Something like that. Anyways, I don't think it's that is what I'm getting at. I don't think this industrial facilities nearby is what people are are is is what's happening to them. That'd be insane. Can you imagine if a company was putting out enough toxic chemicals to make random citizens sick? That's nuts. I mean, I suppose it's happened. It's happened. Corporations that do dumb shit. Essentially, the police denied any responsibility and we're no longer investigating any reports of the gassy bandit. Still, the attacks went on. September 10th, while she was in her kitchen, Mrs. Fitzpatrick suddenly noticed a strange gas coming in through the window. She almost immediately fell ill, fell to the ground, unable to move. Her husband suffered similar symptoms when he came to help her out. September 11th, or no wait, September 13th, last reported incident after the chief of police had claimed that in his opinion, no attacks had actually happened, prick, when local resident noticed gas entering her bedroom. However, this time the witness claimed they got a good look at the perpetrator. It was a woman dressed in man's clothing. Holy shit, it's a chick. It's a chick. Who knew? After examining outside the following day, her and her son discovered evidence of high-heeled stiletto-styled imprints under the bedroom window where they claimed the gas had entered the property. Not only is it a woman, it's a whore. She's a whore. Who knew? It's crazy. She's a gassy whore. Interesting and shocking to the residents because up to this point, they had assumed the foggy fugitive had been a dude. Jesus, that's sexist. My God. Maybe, maybe, but... Maybe it what maybe it wasn't a dude or maybe it was a dude just a dude that likes stilettos. But this is back in the thirties or forties. I mean, clearly people didn't wear stilettos. If they were men. Interesting and shocking to the residents because oh, I already read that. <laughs> <laughs> However, many of the male residents were stationed around the United States or abroad fighting in World War II. So, meaning less men to be the suspects. But either way, we'll never know because the attacks stopped. And thanks to the complete 
and utter incompetence by law enforcement, I dare say possible complicitness. Is that a word? In this, I think they had something to do with it. I think they were covering it up. How do they not catch this? Happened for two weeks, people. Two weeks. Anyways, because of this, the identity of the putrid perpetrator remains a mystery. There were and still is many theories behind the gas tax of September 44 in Mattoon, Illinois, and the true identity of who done it. But was it mass hysteria, like the Popo claim? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't see how it is. But what do you think? Do you think it is? You should let me know. Doesn't physical evidence like a footprint, soaked cloth, uh, sudden puking of everybody that this happened to, doesn't that disqualify it from being... Hysteria? I think it kind of does, but I mean, that's just me. That's just me. Another explanation was that the attacks were, in fact, the result of chemicals from the industrial area of the town, including toxic waste. In fact, some of the potential chemicals would have had a sweet odor to them. I talked about that. I already mentioned that. I don't think it was. I don't think it could have been. That's insane that they would be pumping out that much to hit random homes and make them puke. And why in this one, two-week period and never before and never after? On top of that, the companies themselves dismiss this. Not only had they operated in the area for some time with no incidents, once again, nothing before, nothing after. On top of that, the chemicals that did escape their facilities were not in large enough amounts to induce sickness in people, which once again would have been a larger problem prior to this and after this. And apparently they had some uh, fancy safety certificate awarded by the State Department of Health. I don't trust any government agency, period. I don't care. Crooked. They are crooked. All of them, every single one of them. Also, the attacks appeared much more concentrated and targeted as opposed to a toxic cloud that would just pass over each and every house in the area. And why only select ones? There are other suggestions. Let's assume it's not mass hysteria or an industrial leak, which, once again, both of them seem highly unlikely to me. But let's just assume it's not either one, given the evidence. One of the most popular theories is that it could have been the work of a lone inventor testing a product. This lone inventor could potentially have made a lot of money selling this newly tested weapon. Perhaps that's why the FBI showed up so discreetly and then why the attack suddenly disappeared 
maybe it's a combination of that and military involvement. A mass experiment headed up by a small group, well, headed up by the military or the government, carried out by a small group or certain individuals, coordinated, supervised by the government. Of course, purely speculation. But just maybe it was some kind of covert military experiment. Well, once again, it's been done before. San Francisco, 1950. This is before that. Also, this happened during the tail end of the war. World War II. And there was a lot of fuckery going on. One such incident of fuckery is Operation Paperclip. Big, big fuckery going on there. Nazi scientist type of fuckery brought over to the U.S. with complete immunity. Complete immunity. And some of these motherfuckers were bad. Real, real fucking bad. Could it have been an experiment with mysterious gas used to incapacitate but not kill? Once again. They've done it before, but they certainly wouldn't do it right now, right? (laughs) Certainly not. So at the start of the episode, I mentioned that researchers found similarities between the Matuna gas tax and Spring-Heeled Jack, who terrorized residents of Victorian England in the 1930s. And I'm going to get into some of his shenanigans. Well... They don't really know who did it, so his, hers, something. Anyways, one of the ideas about Spring-Heeled Jack was that it may have been an otherworldly entity, an ET, an extraterrestrial that had crashed. I'm skeptical because there isn't anything concrete to make that connection to the gassy bandits. But the connection between the two of these incidences, the, you know, uh, 1930s, 1940s, there's clearly something there. But if it's not an alien connection, then could it be something a little bit more ghostly or interdimensionally connected? Let's go over it. Let's look at the similarities of the Spring-Heeled Jack attacks 10 years before the Mattoon attacks. First recorded incident was around 10 p.m. on December 22nd, 1933 in Haymarker Town. Now, Haymarker Town, that sounds like a made-up name. Like if somebody goes, if you're in trouble, and they go, hey, where are you from? Uh, uh, and you see hay, and uh, you have a sharpie in your hand, and uh, you know town, uh, hay marker town, uh, right? Sounds like that, doesn't it? Well, anyways, that night in hay marker town, Carl Huffman was at home with his family when his wife suddenly felt intensely sick, while also claiming she could smell a strange odor. Their children were already in bed. So Mrs. Huffman decided to turn in for the evening, hoping to feel better in the morning. Cal stayed downstairs, suspecting that someone was pulling a prank and hoping he could kick some ass. He stayed downstairs. 
If you're a podcast junkie like me, you've probably thought about starting your own. Well, I can tell you firsthand that starting my podcast has been one of the most fun decisions I've ever made. But it can feel overwhelming if you don't know how to get started. That's where Buzzsprout comes in. Buzzsprout is the easiest and best way to start a professional podcast. In fact, it's so good they've already helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout will get your podcast into every major podcasting platform like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. You also get a great-looking podcasting website, audio players so you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and the list goes on and on. Plus, Buzzsprout publishes new blog posts, podcast episodes, and YouTube videos every week so you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from the people that eat, drink, and breathe it. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the link in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, and it helps support our show. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. It's amazing that we live in a time that you can go and shop for cannabis like you do shoes. All kinds of different types and sizes for all types of different individuals. Well, if you're like me and you like a nice, balanced experience with no pesticides, clean, soil-grown craft cannabis, then you want to ask for Hell's Canning Cannabis Company in your local Washington retailer. The reason why is because they use true, live, organic soil recipes, custom-made per strain per plant, like Mother Nature intended. You can't get any better. So if you want craft cannabis with a balanced experience, ranging from strains like Jesus OG or Acapulco Gold or their own Hell's Cookies, then you want Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company. Ask for them in your local Washington retailer. And if they don't have it, tell them to talk to me and I'll make sure they get it. I want to take just a moment to talk about CBD. CBD works as a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And I'm sure a lot of you have met someone who's used it or know a family member who's using CBD to relieve pain, anxiety. And the truth is, it does all of those things. Helps relieve pain, reduce and prevent inflammation, as well as relieving anxiety and stress on top of improving quality of life. So if you're looking to try CBD for the first time or get into something new and you want some answers, Clarkston CBD Company is where you want to go. Little plates I help manage uh, as well as educate people as to the benefits and products that can work for them. Check us out online, ClarkstonCBDCo.com. Shop online, reach out on Facebook, Clarkston CBD Company, and back to the show. After about 30 minutes of waiting, a wave of strange-smelling gas filled the room. Cal immediately made his way outside and straight to the home of his landlord, Mr. Henderson, so that way he could use so he could use his phone to report the incidents to the police. Remember, it's 1930s, so phones weren't everywhere like they are now. Officer Lemon responded to the report arriving at the Huffman's home shortly before midnight, but couldn't find anything suspicious anywhere outside the house. Police, police were confused, thinking that the attacker, whoever it was, 
would have left after the police presence at the property, the family returned to bed. At around 1 a.m., the strange and toxic gas swept through the Huffman house again. This time, though, the effect was much worse. One of the Huffman's children, Alice, started having trouble breathing. So they called the doctor. Dr. Driver made a house call back in the days when doctors made house calls. I mean, now they do, but you got to be worth some money. And I'm not. So I've never had a doctor house call. Maybe I just haven't needed one. I don't know. So Dr. Dreifer makes a house call and has to use artificial respiration in order to make her to bring her back around. Despite this, however, she made a full recovery within a matter of hours. Maybe it was the miracle of Dr. Driver. Cal and one of his neighbors searched around the property and even believed that they may have seen a man fleeing from the area. Two days later, on Christmas Eve, the Hall family... I could have swore it said... No, it was December anyways. I forgot. Here, I'm all like looking at it. I thought it said September. Anyways, later Christmas Eve, the Hall family, Clarence, his wife, and their two small children, who just got done at church, returned home at around 9 p.m. when they noticed a strange smell. When they entered the house, within five minutes... It was so strong that Clarence attempted to locate the source of the odor. He went from room to room, returned to the rest of the family a short time later, visibly sick and struggling to maintain his balance. His wife helped him out of the house so that way he could breathe the fresh air. And in a short time, the effects of the gas had appeared to wear off, and the Halls reported the incident to the police, who sent officers to the property a short time later. Dr. Driver came back out to the house and noted that there was a sweet taste to the still-lingering aroma, something that was reported widely in the Mattoon gas tags, if you remember. When officers inspected the property, they discovered a lone nail had been removed from one of the windows, leading them to suspect that this had been done by whoever was behind the tax in order to fill the property with with the mystery gas. A neighbor of the Halls would offer that he had witnessed a strange dark figure with a flashlight near the Halls' property shortly before they arrived home. Following this incident, the family left the neighborhood in order to stay with friends. Clarence and several neighbors patrolled the streets looking for anyone who might have been behind the attacks. Nothing. They got nothing. Three days later, December 27th, in the Troutville area, Mr. Kelly was at home with his mother when he noticed a car driving back and forth outside their home as if looking for something. Shortly after that, their home was hit with the mystery noxious gas. Just like the gassy bandit, a decade later in 1944, the media, a bit sensationalized at times, combined with a lack of police leads and, I dare say, effort, began to lead to a collective anxiety spreading through the area, ultimately leading to local residents patrolling the streets armed. Again, the same situation. Now tell me, if the police are supposed to help defuse situations, protect and serve, why does it typically end up in a case like this where the 
citizens usually have to stand up on their own to do something about it. Why is that? It's unfortunate, folks. It's unfortunate is what it is. It's unfortunate. Eventually, a reward for the capture of the culprit was put up and the attacks Wait a minute. I read that wrong. Anyways, a reward for the capture of the culprit was put up and the attacks a little over a week into the new year, they started again. January 10th, a little after 10 p.m., Homer Hilton's daughter woke up to check on her baby. She was staying with her parents, apparently. As she did so, however, she heard the sound of people talking outside and someone messing with the window. She stayed still, listening intently. All of a sudden, the film, the, the room filled with a sickly odor causing a feeling of numbness to run through her. In spite of this, she grabbed her baby and attempted to run. But like the other victims, despite the terror she felt, she and her child were ultimately unharmed. Still, imagine that. Imagine you and your baby. I mean, how would you know? How would you know? Clearly, you wouldn't. You smell, you smell gas. You probably see some kind of a cloud or something like that. You know? You got your baby. You grab your baby. You try and run. All of a sudden, you're having a hard time move. God, that's some scary shit. Now, it doesn't say that she was paralyzed for an hour, but imagine if she was paralyzed for an hour. Her baby laying there. Jesus, I can't even imagine. So scary. That's some scary shit. That's no joke. You know, like even the the fact that the police were like, oh, it's just some prank. Like, you know, fuck you, man. Prank or not. Like, that's not a that's not a prank. That's like somebody could really get hurt, even if even if not by the gas. Their reaction to the gas, I mean, especially if you're throwing gas in a home with a baby. I don't know, man. I just, once again, complete irresponsibility and lack of compassion for the citizens involved in this by the police. It's just really like, that's that's just surprising and unfortunate. So again, the attacks appeared to die down again for several days, but picked up again on January 16th. Mr. Duvall noticed the strange gas at his home, which had now been widely publicized through the local media. The strange gas. So these attacks picked up enough, once again, to get national attention. This time, though, Duvall chased after the dark figure he noticed near his home and saw a person get into a parked car and sped away from the neighborhood. When police examined the area near the Duvall's home, they discovered an imprint, which was suggestive of a lady's high-heeled stiletto shoe close to where Duvall claimed the car had been parked. I mean, wouldn't it be easy enough for someone to make the imprint of a stiletto and throw them off? But does that even make sense? I mean, why why just why not just attempt to not leave prints at all? Wouldn't that be easier than than attempting to leave fake ones? Just throw them off, make them think it's some 
crazy chick running around in high heels gassing people. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was some crazy stilettoed woman that's running around testing out gas. I, I mean, just weird. The stiletto shoe thing is weird. Three nights later, January 19th, Mrs. Campbell was sitting near one of her windows when she noticed a strange gas. Within moments, she felt sick. Two nights later, 21st January. January 21st is what I meant. Mr. and Mrs. Howard Crawford sitting down for the evening when Howard suddenly noticed the presence of fumes and got intensely sick within moments. Once again, police were unable to find anything January 22nd, over the distance of approximately two miles and within the time frame of 60 minutes, three separate houses were attacked. All three reported almost identical symptoms. One of them, however, did manage to quickly alert the police who chased a dark, shadowy figure that disappeared into the woodlands near the property. Once again, completely incapable, incompetent police. Crazy. January 23rd, another attack. This time, Mrs. Hartzell with her family had spent most of the night and early morning with their neighbors, got home at 4.30 a.m. What in the fuck are they doing till 4.30 a.m.? Blow? As a family? What are they doing? Meth? What the hell? What do you do till 4.30 in the morning? Aside from meth. Tell me, please. I want to know, those of you. I want to know. What do you what the fuck do you do till 4:30 in the morning as a family? As a family. With her family. 4:30 in the morning, that's nuts. Anyways, regardless of their meth use, they discovered the house was full of gas and a pile of wood against the inside of the front door, possibly to prevent the family from escaping meaning this gas bandit believed that they were home the whole time, and that also meant that the individual must have physically been inside the home at some point to stack the wood in the first place. Scary thought. Always lock your homes, people. Always lock your homes. All right? Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter how safe it is. Doesn't matter any of that shit. Lock your shit. Do it. What's the why not? What's the what's the reason? What's the reason for not locking your stuff? Oh, it's inconvenient that you have to get home and unlock your stuff. Let's go over this. Best case scenario, it is locked. Somebody tries to get in, they can't get in, and you just come home and are slightly annoyed that you had to unlock your shit. Worst case scenario, you don't lock it because you want to avoid the hassle of having to unlock it. And somebody just walks in, takes all your shit. Or worse, you're in there. (coughs) Not good. By now, the collective anxiety of the townsfolk was running into overdrive. It appeared, much like it did in Mattoon a decade later, as if no one was safe from this unknown perpetrator. 
the armed patrols of the local residents got intense. Some families even decided to stay with friends of relatives in an attempt to shield themselves from becoming the next victims. At first, local police believed that the attacks were, once again, just relatively harmless pranks. Harmless pranks of bored youngsters. What the fuck? What the fuck? Let me tell you something. If I have bored youngsters that think it's fun to throw gas, I don't care what kind of gas, into homes for shits and giggles, and the police are like, oh, well, these are just harmless pranks by bored youngsters. Dude, no bueno. Those are some shitty cops. Shitty cops. If they're... If people are getting gassed in their homes and they're saying it's harmless pranks aboard youngsters, fuck you, you shitty cops. God. I can't even imagine. I can't uh I've been saying that a lot in this one. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine certain things, but a shitty cop, that's actually not that hard to imagine. Anyways. But now they were becoming more concerned. Now they were. Now they were becoming more concerned. Now. Because the attacks were all of a sudden getting intense. And the distinct lack of clues or leads. They were now beginning to think there was really a dangerous menace lurking around. Oh. Wow. Aren't cops supposed to be good detectives? Isn't that the whole idea? Doesn't a cop that's on the beat long enough end up becoming a detective? Isn't that the case? How is it that these dumbasses couldn't figure this out? Unreal. After a day with no shenanigans, January 25th, which is my sister's birthday, by the way, nobody cares, Chester Snyder was at home in bed when his dog suddenly became extremely agitated and began barking. Extremely agitated. He jumped to attention, grabbed his loaded gun, went to the front door, and stepped outside. He saw a figure crossing a ditch that was just yards away. Snyder didn't hesitate. He raised his weapon and fired, but the shot went wide. Apparently, he only had one shot loaded, so he rushed inside for more ammo, but by the time he returned, the dark figure had vanished. One shot loaded. Talk about being unprepared. It's a good thing he had anything in it at all, but one shot? Man, you either better be a really good aim or have some other ammo on hand. I mean, there's no other option. After he made a report to the police, the officers arrived to take an official statement and examine the area where they found distinct footprints that led from the road to the ditch where Snyder had shot at the witness. No, Snyder had shot at the attacker. The tracks that led from the ditch to the house stopped as if the person who made them had abandoned an approach to the house. Judging from the state of the ground, whoever had been there had been under one of the trees scouting the area and spying on the property before the family's dog was alerted. 
creepy. Snyder's friends, who had visited their home earlier that evening, were interviewed. They all recalled seeing a strange man down the road from the house as they left. Whether or not this was the person that Snyder shot at, nobody knows. On January 28th, another attack, this time on Ed Stanley and his wife and three of their friends suddenly noticed a strange gas. They felt sick, but they managed to make their way outside where they claimed to have seen four dark figures running away from the home, heading toward the Blue Ridge Mountains. Stanley immediately went back inside to retrieve his shotgun, but by, by, by the time he had done so, none of the figures were in sight. He would, though, claim he could clearly hear them speaking in the surrounding woodland. Hmm... According to reports, two nights later, January 30th, Ed Stanley's home was approached again with an attack plan. This time, he was ready, and he made his way outside as soon as he heard something. Now, it's unclear what he saw and what he did, because the newspapers didn't report any of the details, whether they didn't have them or whether they omitted them. It's not sure. However... Either way, it's known, or it's assumed, I should say, that he interrupted the attacker or attackers. So on February 3rd, what's largely regarded as the last gas attack in Virginia, Mr. and Mrs. Skaggs, along with five adult friends, all became ill with the sickly sweet gas in their home. Upon investigating the incident, Sheriff Williamson stated the, to the local press that, quote, no amount of imagination in the world would make people as sick as the, as the skags were. There you go. Once again, mass hysteria, I think not. Mass hysteria does not induce mass puking. Unlike the police force of Mattoon, who tried everything to avoid investigating the gas tax in their town a decade later, Williamson was very much stating that something disturbing and out of the ordinary had taken place and had been so across the region for almost six weeks. Six weeks, and nobody could catch this guy or person or whatever it was. No one was ever caught for these. No one in the Mattoon attacks, in the Virginia attacks. No one was ever caught. Here's what's interesting. Reports of similar attacks continued for another week. But no one took interest. The police and the local media, interestingly or not, apparently distanced themselves, distanced themselves completely from everything that was going on with these. And although the February 3rd attack on the Skags is considered the last official gas attack of the Virginia wave, other incidents occurred afterward that are likely the work of the same person or group. Mr. Schaefer. Schaefer claimed his property was the attack of the gassy bandit on February 9th. After hearing suspicious activity outside of his house, Mr. Schaefer went outside to investigate. Seeing signs of disturbed snow, Mr. Schaefer picked up some of the snow that was outside and found that it had a sickly sweet aroma to it. What? Why do you... Who? 
who grabs snow and smells it? What is going on with these people and sniffing shit? I don't understand that. I, once again, I mean, maybe in the 30s and the 40s, it was a common thing to like pick shit up and sniff it. Am I, am I the only one here that finds that odd, finds that odd to pick up snow of all things? Snow? And this is in the, this is at night. This is in the evening. How, what do you see? In the snow that you're going to pick up and be like, oh, this snow looks like it smells funny. It does. It's got that sickly sweet smell. That smelly smell. That smells smelly. That's a SpongeBob line. Anyways, it's weird to me. Oops. Keep hitting shit. Anyways, he smelled it and it smelled weird. Now, what's even weirder is he has this analyzed. And apparently several of the chemicals were common in insecticide sprays. My question, though, is you're talking about a farming community, right? 1930s, 40s, I'm sure there's a lot of farmland going on around there. Wouldn't there be other insecticide sprays? I don't know. And do insecticide sprays come in the form of gas i'm well okay hold on that was dumb i know it's gas i mean i suppose you could pump it right into somewhere i don't know because generally it's a spray right not a gas i i don't know i don't know to me that's a weird one thinking that's a insect spray i don't know i don't know i mean insecticide When local police investigated the report, they discovered footprints in the snow that led from the porch where the sample was taken from to a barn on the property. However, the footprints vanished at the barn. Mm, Paranormal connection. Ghosts. Leaving some kind of weird uh, ectoplasm spunk on the snow. Some sweet-smelling ghost jizz on the snow. And this farmer's like, smells familiar. Hmm? Weird. There were several more sporadic attacks reported, but for all intents and purposes, the gas tax in Virginia stopped. Details of the gas tax in Virginia between late 1933 and early 1934 contained too many similar details to not be potentially connected. I agree with that. That's, yeah. But what is it? And what what does it mean? All right, here's possibilities. Maybe it was the same person in both the 1930s and the 1940s. Could it have been? If so, why the 10-year gap? Not to mention there seemed to be no reason for the attacks in the first place. Now, some of these researchers, I dare say that they're researchers, but that's what they're labeling themselves. Some researchers chalk these attacks up to nothing more than faulty chimney flues. Essentially, mass hysteria. Are they in on it? Maybe. Faulty chimney flues. Are you fucking kidding me? Name one time in history when a faulty chimney flue has caused people to think they were attacked with a gas 
that had a smell to it and made him pukey. Instantly. Come on. Jesus. Many people, especially those who had experienced them directly or been involved in the investigations of them, found this explanation hard to swallow, if not preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Faulty chimney fluids. I. It's so... I hate that shit. <coughs> and by that, I mean the fact that you have these clearly researchers. They are academics, right? They're people. They're smarty pant fuckity fucks. That think they're, well, this clearly couldn't have happened. This clearly didn't take place. It's, did they all have chimneys? Yes. Oh, it had to have been the chimney flues. The the faulty chimney flue phenomena that's so, so widely recorded. Jesus. No. No. Preposterous. There's way too many factors that completely put to rest the mass hysteria or even faulty chimney flu uh, hypothesis. I it's 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 not even a hypothesis. It's bullshit. For example, of why this bullshit. The attacks all took place around the same time, usually between nine ten p.m. But sometimes in the early morning, midnight, a little after that but never before 9 p.m. And, of course, the sightings of the fleeing individuals, the figures, or at least on the one occasion, multiple figures. Too many coincidences. Not to mention the connection between the cases. Maybe someone in 1944 read about the attacks in Virginia a decade earlier and wanted to get some morbid sense of glory, a copycat gassy bandit, possibly. Feels a little bit too simplistic, though. The bottom line is these were never solved. The attacks in Virginia, 1933, early 1934. The attacks in Mattoon, 1944. Intriguing, perplexing, mysterious, completely unsolved. Why is that? You've got the FBI involved, at least in the Mattoon attacks. You've got several weeks. In the case of the Virginia attacks in the 1933 and 34. You had six weeks, six weeks in the Mattoon attacks, two weeks. No sting operations, no, no setting up somewhere. You couldn't set a cop at, at some of the houses. I mean, yeah, it's random, but so you can be random too. Increased patrols of police. <coughs> but not only did they not do that, they it almost seemed to intentionally hinder, if nothing else, completely disregard everybody. Everybody. Completely putting it off like it's pranks, 
it's chimney flues, it's industrial runoff. Literally everything that's not doesn't make sense before thinking maybe it's somebody spouting gas. That seems pretty reasonable. Well, like I said in the beginning, assholes exist, gas exists. I on this one I lean heavily heavily on government as in government doing it. Now the government may not have like sent government agent Bob to set off smoke bombs at such and such residence, but government agent Bob surely went to some subcontractor dicks and was like, "Hey, I need you to go in this town, and I need you to create some fuckery with some of these smoke bombs, and we're testing them out. So put them in the houses, observe the results, let me know. That's that's feasible. Once again, 1950. Uh, in the case of Mattoon, that's six years later. U.S. military pumped, confirmed, pumped, gas or not gas chemicals into San Francisco fog and just let it roll into the city (coughs) doing God knows what. So if the options are lone gunman, random prankster or government shenanigans i go government shenanigans 100 times over because it's i mean it's proven proven that they've done it proven so i go with government on that one but let me know what you think i would love to know what you think about that Once again, the uh, Virginia attacks of 1933-34 and the Mattoon attacks of 1944. Check them out. But I'd love to know what you think. Know what you think of these gas attacks. You think it's government? You think it's some lone guy just, just getting some weird kicks by gassing folks? I mean, you know, obviously that happens too. Psychos exist. Or do you think it's ghosts? Do you think it's a gassy ghost that's just crop dusting the shit out of people? And so it's such a crazy uh, ectoplasmic discharge of a fart that it just like makes people totally just sick, puking, paralyzes them. But then once it wafts away for a bit, like an hour, it's gone ghostly discharge of a fart maybe maybe once again i'd like to know what you think well thank you all for joining the episode uh once again if you uh can share this that means the world to me just take that url wherever you're listening to it and slap it in your socials chances are your social media pages are bigger than ours so it really help out a lot as well go to patreon.com slash ufo no podcast One dollar, one dollar, ad-free experience, and I will love you forever. Thank you, Aaron Rice, for being my first. 
And uh, thank you all for listening. All my friends, all my buddies, reach out to me. I love you all. Damon, Leonard, Casey, my friend Lucas Dixon that I haven't talked to in a while. And remember, everybody, keep Blind Mike in your thoughts. Get Blind Mike before he's analprobe.com. Go get that shirt. Support Mike. That's it, folks. That's all I got. Hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed it. And once again, I love you all. And I will catch you on the flip side. Remember, watch out for the government, huh? They're shysty bastards, and they're gassy.